Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly dialogue that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. That's T-H-E-D-I-S-P-A-S-S-I-O-N-A-T-E-O-B-S-E-R-V-E-R.com. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of Conversations with Z and Vindesh. And today, we are continuing our discussion of what matters. We talked about what matters to us and how defining what matters to us is essential to living a life that feels meaningful, where we feel excited to get up in the morning, where we get some value out of our day-to-day experience. And as we started thinking about this topic, we realized that a lot of times it's very hard for people to discern what matters because we've been so conditioned to having other people tell us what matters. And we've internalized these narratives to the point where they become real. They become our truth. So we're going to delve into this today. We're going to talk about the challenge in understanding what matters to us, how to think in a way which is free-flowing, which is unedited, and to get to that point where we can build a life that really resonates with the core of our being. And I thought we would start with just the language around what matters. Z, to kick us off, can you remind our audience how to think about what matters and maybe get into just the word matter and how we should think about applying that to our lives? I love narrative and the way we speak and how we use language and words in order for us to frame pictures of things in our life and then give meaning to them. We think of the word matter, we think of energy equals matter, matter equals mc squared. What has weight? What has density? What brings worth to your life? What brings joy to your life? What is the weight of that thing? What is the importance of that thing? Um, What is it made of? And how do you allow or understand how it allows your life to have substance. So things that matter are things that give your life substance. It gives you uh, a a better way of defining your life. Uh, Matter gives you a sense of structure, a value to. So when we think about what matters to us, you look at your life and what are the things that bring weight, worth, substance to your life. It's really that simple. So if something doesn't offer substance to your life, then it isn't what matters in your life. It may be of concern to you, but it doesn't matter. And I think about that when I think of people who are worried about what other people are doing. That doesn't matter to you because it has no substance in your life or allowing yourselves to be measured by a thought or idea that is being projected or reflected upon you. That doesn't matter. Or issues or topics of the day that have no effect on your daily life. People make themselves concerned with 
a multitude of things that don't matter in their life. Uh, there are things that we are told we should be concerned about that don't really matter to us. If those things did not exist, it would not alter or change your life. So you want to think about things that matter in your life as things that are substances or aggregates of any kind that if they were not in your life, it would adversely affect your life. So that's a, an easy way of thinking about what matters. So when it comes to social topics or subjects of the day, there are certain things that don't matter to you. Um, there are things you can be concerned with. Separating what is a concern and what matters is very important. Uh, you may live in an area where there are no polar bears. Polar bears don't matter to you. You may be concerned with polar bears, but they don't matter to you. If you tend to the things that matter to you, maintain those things, nurture those things, that tends to affect the reality of your whole world. So then when you are concerned with other things in the world, you've dotted your I's and crossed your T's on the things that matter in your life, and you can work on those. So you can be really clear on what matters and what you're concerned about. It is what matters that will define your life. I think part of the reason this becomes so difficult for people is that we have a sense or a tendency to apologize and we don't want to offend anyone else. We also don't want to go against the grain. So sometimes the easiest path, the path of least resistance, is to just say, to hell with it, I'll pretend that this matters. And it, it's not even pretending, because we spend our time and our attention on causes. We spend so much of ourself, and there's so much of a belief that these things should matter, that they become our reality. So what I mean by that, if you think about politics, for most people, we were talking about this earlier, politics doesn't really matter. The country is going to continue tomorrow the same way, basically, that it evolved today. Whether a certain policy is enacted or not enacted, if my taxes are a little bit higher or lower, to your point, I can be concerned about that, but it's not going to make me or break me one way or the other. But then I'm around people who are talking very passionately about policy, and they're identifying very strongly as Democrats or Republicans, and I feel like I have to take a stand. I feel like this is something that should matter to me. Or you get away from politics, and you think about some of the more politically correct discussions that dominate our culture, whether it's around race and things like the Me Too movement and the sensitivity that men should show or shouldn't show towards women. And it's almost like if we don't feign concern, even if these things don't concern us. So maybe I'm a white male and racial policy doesn't really make any difference in my life. Again, I can be concerned about it because I've got black friends, I've got Asian friends, but it's not making any difference to me. Yet, I'm part of a culture that expects me to be sensitive to these issues. And if I don't show that requisite sensitivity and don't convince myself that this is something that matters, I'm disappointing other people. I'm being labeled as someone who is unconcerned. I'm being labeled as someone perhaps who is selfish, who is not willing to give up themselves to better humankind. And I think that's where a lot of us get tripped up. How should we think about navigating this world where there is so much pressure to conform to these ideas of what matters and what doesn't matter? Well, Vin, I think one of the best solutions 
to the matter equation is a certain level of personal integrity and sincerity and an equal measure of personal boundaries. One of the beauties of being an individual is you have certain inalienable abilities is to not necessarily share everything that you think or whims through your head with everybody. You must be very discriminating with people that you're around that don't, their lives don't really concern yours. So before anything can matter, you have to first apply a value to it. So in this moment that we live in, where there is a kind of a crowd-sourced feigning of concerns about uh, infinite issues, can't even keep up with all the issues one should, is expected to be concerned about, and then people yelling at you, what should matter? So just think about the, the mal-narrative there. How can you tell me what should matter to me? If something doesn't directly affect the weight, the girth, the ardor, the, the, the joy, the sensuality of my life, it doesn't matter to me. And I know this, again, is one of those challenging things to say, but that is being very direct. People will feign concern. Oh, I'm concerned about the well-being of birds and puppies, and they don't really care. And it doesn't matter to them, because all they're doing is getting on with their daily life. When you encounter people who are of meager means, and they're very concerned with a roof over their head and food on their plate and a full belly that night, uh, the environment doesn't matter to them. Uh, electrification of cities doesn't matter to them. They may have concerns, but they don't matter. What matters to them is the matter in their belly and the matter in the blanket over their body and the matter of the money in their pocket and for them to acquire those things that they desperately need. So then you find people who are of greater means. Those are not, con those, are not those things that matter to them are fulfilled, so they are not overly concerned. So they start to find things to give substance to that have no substance. What I mean by that, they are projecting onto others their ideal world above and beyond what matters to them. We have a situation in the Los Angeles area where people wanted to uh, force everyone onto bicycles. Well, I love bicycle riding on the beach, off-road trails, safe places to ride bikes, uh, not in anyone's way. Yet living in Los Angeles, which was designed around an automotive grid, uh, bike riders, bicycling, is a dangerous endeavor. And to force these people in cars to give way to another obstacle in their way of getting to what matters to them, which is their job and back home their loved one, you've imposed upon them in a tremendous burden. So the, all these people driving cars are definitely concerned with the environment, yet they have to prioritize what matters to them is paying their bills. You live in the, one of the most expensive cities to live in in the world. People have to work in an inordinate number of hours to provide basic matter to their families. 
yet we're imposing these concerns upon them. And it, it never turns out right. When it comes to ethno-social politics, you cannot expect one group to be concerned with another group because that group is not part of what matters to them. Yet they may be concerned with the general health and well-being of the society they live in, which may matter to them. So if we're going to have a discussion, we should not have a discussion about maybe race or ethnic politics or gender politics or sexual politics or whatever. Maybe we should come together, maybe, I don't know, I, I don't own the truth, and see what matters to all of us. It matters to me that I am generally left alone to do my job and take care of my family. So how can we all do that without imposing upon one another in a way that introduces undue hardship and stress? I think if we start with that type of conversation, it goes a lot further than trying to force concern onto others or to make something matter to people that has no matter in their life. So you used a word a few times, imposition, and imposing your views on others. And this is where I feel that the quest to define what matters for society as a whole really goes horribly wrong. We end up in a situation where we collectively decide that something matters that might be well and good, it might be well-intentioned, but if it conflicts with reality, it becomes a complete disaster. We're not necessarily thinking about the second-order or third-order consequences. We're not thinking about the unintended consequences. To your point about bicyclists in LA, great, we can potentially reduce traffic, but we're not thinking about the people who can't get to work. We're not thinking about the danger that we're creating. And so we're trying to create a world that matches an ideal in our mind that doesn't reflect reality. And that's going to end in disaster. We might be able to prop that up for a period of time by expending enough energy to fight reality and impose this view, but eventually it breaks down. There's another example that we talked about in one of our earlier conversations where you were talking about race. And you made the point that we shouldn't even think about race. We should think about differences. Some of those differences come from the color of our skin, from our physical features, from our culture. And why are those differences any more important than other lifestyle differences? Like what movies we like, where we want to live, what sports we pay attention to. Human nature is based on tolerance of certain differences of opinion. And the fact that even though we may not agree, we may not like certain things, we can still coexist in a society. The moment we try and tell them you should respect all races equally, you should respect men and women equally, yes, maybe it's a nice ideal. Maybe if we collectively get to a more enlightened state, we'll feel that way. But if that's not our reality today, what ends up happening? We filter out all of the people who don't fit that model. So we only select other people that we get along with. We end up exacerbating the differences in our society because suddenly we're not exposed to different points of view. 
We're not learning to coexist with one another. We're actually fragmenting ourselves. So part of the problem of defining what matters, of imposing what matters on what is, is that we have these unintended consequences. It requires a tremendous amount of energy, and eventually it breaks down. As you were speaking, I think about some of the most basic matter and not matter scenarios. Take my uh, four-year-old to his uh, play practice, soccer or basketball, and I observe the behavior of different people, very different than when my 40-year-old children were younger and we were in a community of predominantly people from Africa and Asia, different cultural models. And everyone looked after everyone's child. And any adult in the room would keep their eye on any child in the room. Fast forward 40 years. Similar situation, but very isolating. Each person was singularly focused on what mattered to them was their child and their child only. Community didn't matter. Compassion didn't matter. The general well-being of all children didn't matter. It was only what mattered to them was their child right then and right there. And you saw a tunnel vision in the eyes. And so they couldn't really see the whole world that their child was involved in. They couldn't see whether their child was making friends or being bullied or not being bullied. And what they did see was a skewed version of all of those variables. Because one of the challenges is, is when we, the more we impose upon people uh, what they should be concerned with, we get the opposite effect. We isolate people, as you said. Each of us then goes to our bunker because it is not our nature for concern to be imposed upon us. What matters to us is what is real to us. And when there is a real concern, a real barrier put up, we withdraw to our own. We see it as a threat. That is the danger of telling people what they should be concerned with and what should matter to them. And we should try, maybe work the other direction. I should, I'm going to work on not saying should. We should work on going the other direction. Sharing and showing people the benefit of, a, of being concerned, having mutual concern about things that matter to us collectively as individuals. Do we all care for our children? And if our children are interacting with other children, do we want them to be safe? If those children are loved and cared for and matter to their parents, would it be in the best interest of us as a parent to also share concern about other people's children so that those children begin to matter to us? So the road to compassion begins with first, the idea of mutual concern. And then from there, that road to compassion 
leads us to find that there are things that matter to all of us. Is the same thing with environmental concern. I grew up in a time when they had something called the litter campaign. People would drive down the road and basically throw garbage out of the window of their car. Going down any of the highways in the Americas, you would see piles of garbage along the road. And they began a litter campaign first to get people concerned with litter, then to get it to matter to them if their roads were clean, and then get them to see their role in littering and make that matter to them. Then people began to go to service station. They had litter bags. Nothing was imposed by the government. And then they eventually came up with sanctions. If you get caught littering, it's going to be a fine. And they didn't really need that because by the time the campaign for littering, uh, littering went into its height, all the young people were concerned. To this day, the litter bug jingle is ingrained in my mind. And you feel constrained to throw things out the window. So what that campaign did was first gave us concern. From that concern, it mattered to us. From that matter, we had compassion for our collective environment. And it was a very successful campaign. So there are people that have grown up and died never knowing a time when people chunk garbage out of the window of a moving car. Or if you see something like that, it's considered egregious and odd behavior and socially not acceptable. There was a period of time when uh, the abuse of another person uh, was socially unacceptable because the general view of particular communities looked down upon that. Then we went through a phase where there was generally mob violence could easily be activated because all you have to do is make people not matter. Where things don't matter, compassion goes out. Yet before any of that can happen, there has to be sincerity. One should not be forced at virtual gunpoint to say that something matters to them. I don't believe that if a person is unaffected by a particular issue, that it will matter to them. People don't feel connected to the environment, so the environment doesn't matter to them. If you're somebody who lives in, in the wilderness and off of the wilderness, it matters very much to you. But we can't be upset with people because of that blind spot when it comes to issues of sexuality. For the vast majority of people, their sexuality is, is a private issue that is not shared with many and is preferred not to be shared. So when we politicize it, or when we demonize it, it's a problem. The same way with the malnotion and, and malthought about race identity. Again, I say, science has shown us that there is no such thing as a race of people. We are a singular species of hominin known as sapien. 
what we argue and fight over our cultural and tribal identities. For those of that of us who have a sense of no, we reject and divorce our view ourselves from even viewing things in that way. We reject that completely. But we don't pretend it doesn't exist. We understand that this thing, this mischaracterization of the species has been around. So we can look around it and we know that it is one of the blights of our civilization. It is part of an ignorance model. Then we look at who it serves. Then you can honestly tell yourself, you know, I've, I've never been through certain things, so I can't relate to it and it doesn't matter to me. Some years ago, there was a, a, um, a right-wing uh, moralist politician who wanted to uh, rid the world of all the people he considered sexually amoral. And he was very vocal about it. And uh, anyone who would speak to him, he would uh, quote a random um, theological verses and say that you know, this was a sin against nature or whatever. And then I guess his daughter showed up one day and said she was engaged to another woman. And overnight, he changed his whole view because suddenly that issue mattered to him. And people called him all sorts of hypocrites, but he wasn't a hypocrite. He was like most of us. Ask any parent when you hear noisy kids running about, disturbing things in restaurants, yelling on planes. How did you feel about that when you didn't have children? You swore that when you had children, they would not make that much noise. Why don't these people leave them at home? Don't bring them to restaurants and definitely don't put them on planes. The concerns of those parents didn't matter to you until it mattered to you. So all of us would do ourselves well and reduce our levels of stress by not necessarily being upset with people because your issue doesn't matter to them. But we can work on ourselves so that the issues that matter to us can be shared in a way that brings concern to others. From that concern and understanding, then those things may matter a bit to them, and from that, a bit of compassion will arise. But unless that happens, there will be this disconnect, so to say. And in summarizing it, remember what matter means. Does it bring something to your life that gives your life substance? If it does not do that, you may be concerned with it, but it doesn't matter to you. Oftentimes, I would critique people on how they weren't up on world events. And I would ask my wife, did she know about this or that particular dreadful world event? She said, no, I really don't. I don't know anything about it. I'm saying, wow, my wife is a dullard. And you know what? I thought my wife's a brilliant woman. She's not really a dullard. But you know what matters to her? It's taking care of her family. And that's, that's so much weight. That's so much girth. That's so much substance. Why would I expect her to be that concerned or to even have room for what matters to the papers of the world? 
So we've covered quite a bit of ground. One aspect of this is focusing on what matters can give us insight into how other people behave. And it can affect our expectations of other people. It can make us more open-minded. It make, can make us more compassionate. We cease to battle the way that other people are behaving because we know that they've got a different upbringing. They have different priorities. What matters to them is different than what matters to us. And if we can accept that, it makes it much easier to move through this life. A second aspect of this is we've talked about the danger of imposing what matters, of simply telling other people what matters. And this is an incredibly arrogant thing to do. If I'm listening to someone and they're telling me how I should think and how I should feel, at best, it feels like they're incredibly arrogant, that they have no appreciation for my own journey, for my context, for my point of view. And at worst, it feels like slavery. Like they're trying to force me to do something and be something that I'm not. And when we get into these idealized versions of what matters, and we try and impose that without actually making it relevant for other people, without answering the question, why should it matter? That's when we get into the unintended consequences. That's when we create disaster in our society. And that's frankly where we spend a lot of energy sustaining the unsustainable which eventually comes crashing down. The third aspect to this, which is actually where we started the conversation, which I want to get back to, is how can we be more attuned in our own lives to what matters? Given the way the world operates, the fact that we have all these narratives and memes ripping through our culture, we have people on TV screaming and telling us what we should think, how we should behave, we have tribal affiliations and groups that make us feel ashamed of who we are because we don't subscribe to a certain point of view. We end up editing ourselves. We end up severing the connection between our mind and our experience. So we force ourselves to subscribe to something that doesn't actually provide any matter, that doesn't give us any satisfying visceral experience. We edit our thoughts. We think, I shouldn't think this way. I shouldn't be that way. I shouldn't ask these questions. What's wrong with me? We actually push ourselves in another direction, which complicates our lives and creates internal conflict. It creates anxiety because we're not being true to ourselves. I think the pressure is enormous. And what I'd like to talk about, Z, is techniques to stop this editing of thought to create more fluidity in our thinking, more fluidity in our experience so that we can really get back to that sense of what matters. How would you advise people to do that? Then there are always simple remedies not far away from the illness. Uh, nature is amazing in the sense that wherever there is a poison, there's often a remedy that grows right near the poison. It's like the relationship between uh, poison, ivy, and mugwort. The cure and the cause are right next to each other, if you're knowledgeable. This editing of thought that 
disturbs and modifies what matters to us comes from the our ability to not discriminate our our world through our senses. You often see people wearing different types of brands that represent things that they may matter. They'll wear a certain political slogan on their hat or their back of their car is covered with bumper stickers. They'll have the button, a political button or a brand something. And these talismans, so to say, these displays of concerns that conjure up all sorts of uh, thought editing models, avoid these altogether. These are cheap, hollow distractions. When a person is wearing these bumper stickers or hats, it is to provoke a wave in you, either a tribal yell of assault or one of comfort. I say avoid all of that. Clear your mind. Be very skillful at saying what honestly matters to you. And you will find that it's not a lot of things. Your kids, your friends, your general well-being. And then just go back to that loop over and over again. So when all this noise and these thought editing programs start to drill at you and pound on you, you don't succumb to them. Because being clear with yourself is the best remedy from the virus that clouds your ability to think clearly. So edited thought is oftentimes in, like installing malware into a computer. It throws everything off. People get so upset with themselves oftentimes because they think a certain way. I say own it completely. Own it. This is what I'm going through. My days are long and I'm overwhelmed and I'm tired and what matters to me is going to bed. I won't go out. I won't do more things. Or, you know, my energy is low and what matters to me is the comfort of my good friends or my beloved. Keep it clear in your head. When you start thinking, maybe I should do more. What will others think of me if I don't attend this gala or event? This is all thought editing. How should I, what should I do to fit in? What should I believe? What side of the political table should I sit on? All of this way of thinking is unhealthy. Editing thought. If you don't like something, you don't like it. If you don't understand something, you don't understand it. That's something you work out within your, your, yourself, not through others. Don't listen for others to tell you how to think. You can turn to others to develop your way of thinking, to develop your intellect, to uh, improve your consciousness. But inevitably, you have to do that yourself not others. 
avoid doing things to seek uh, approval from others. Or at least learn to regulate that. You know, you, your boss, you have to say the right things to your boss. You have to say the certain things to the people at work. But they don't know what you're thinking. So you don't have to edit your thought. You have to edit your words. You have to edit your behavior. This is a wise thing to do as you navigate the world. But don't edit your thought. I found myself in situations with people who were uh, a very troubling people to sit in the company of. And I learned one of the best things you can do is keep your thoughts to yourself. Don't edit your thoughts, but edit what you say and manage the time you spend with those people. Then you remain very true to yourself. So when you leave work, you can leave work at work. It doesn't follow you home. When you leave the company of good friends, you leave there with a burden of joy. It was a good time. That's great. Yet, the simple tool for, as you were saying, Vin, for editing your thought is to have a sincere, firm hold on I am, who I am. Say to yourself, these issues are not my issues. Don't worry if it sounds like you're a shallow or deep person. Just say, these issues are not my issues. These are the issues that are mine. Take the counsel of a hard-working mother. She's not, that, she's not that concerned with a lot of things other than what matters to her. Learn from her. Taking care of her children. Those that she loves. Real simple. You're not going to get a bunch of discussions out of her about other topics that have nothing to do with the well-being of her family. We can all learn from that. Know what means something to you and nurture that. That is not being sociopathic, nor is it selfish. For one who knows themselves is a beacon for everyone else. You follow me? Yeah, I think the point about knowing yourself, the point about not looking for validation from others is critical. We've talked about how if we look for others to like us, we're always going to be at their mercy and we'll be at their whims and what they like constantly changes. It's not even something that we can possibly do. It's much easier, it's much more satisfying to be true to ourselves and true to who we are and anchor in that and I would suggest another approach, which is acceptance, which is to accept that there's going to be conflict, that other people might not agree with what you think or what you say. And that's okay. Conflict is not something that we should hide from. As we've talked about, conflict has a useful role in this world. Conflict is that which allows us to debate different ideas to find the truth, and to evolve. So don't be afraid of conflict. Also, put the ego aside. There's no need to force other people to see your point of view. And I think it's very hard sometimes for people to deal with that conflict. They need other people to be in their camp or vice versa. So if you're always 
stuffed a mindset that other people must agree with you, then guess what? The easiest thing to do is to go along with the crowd. Then you don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to convince anyone to do anything that's different than what they're already doing. But if you can deal with that dissonance, if you can deal with that tension, then you can be perfectly happy being satisfied as you are and simply allowing the rest of the world to be the way that it wants to be. So just a couple of other thoughts is we try to maintain that barometer of what makes sense for us. And we really try to anchor ourselves in a way that we can participate in this world, but we're not necessarily moved by all the winds that are blowing past, by all the different narratives and all of the different crowd opinions, because frankly, those can sweep us away. You're absolutely right, Vin. I, I was um, contemplating while you were uh, speaking here, and I thought about it. Here's, here's something simple. Look at your life, step away, be that dispassionate observer, step away from your life. Opt out of the noise and go down a list on your 10 fingers, counting down from one. What are the things that matter to you? That's a simple exercise. What matters, is it good health? Is it the well-being of your loved ones? Is it the energy that you put into your children and the efforts that you put forth every day for them to have a better future? Is it a long life? What is it that matters to you? Do the top 10. And you'll realize by the time you get there, you don't really have room for other stuff. Just work on your top 10. I think if you go down the top 10, you'll realize you don't have room for more than four or five. You get down to what really matters. It's a short list. And there's a certain fear that we have to let go of. And that fear is our lives are not enough. I feel that so many of us, myself included, feel that we need to hold on to something. We need to make our lives about more than just living. We need to attach ourselves to certain causes, certain outcomes, certain achievements. And the horrible irony of this is that all these things that we think provide meaning in our lives take us away from living. I've spent 40 plus years of my life, my entire life going through this world, realizing exactly what you're saying, that most things don't matter, that they just distract me from living. And if I can get back to what's simple, what's satisfying, you know what? I was on a plane today, Z, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about life and I'm thinking about how incredible it is to just be alive, to just be conscious, to just feel energy coming through me, to feel a connection to something beyond myself and to be able to express these ideas. I was sitting there typing on my phone, thinking about some of the work that we're doing. And it's almost overwhelming, but we blunt that sensitivity. We shut down that part of ourselves because we're so concerned about what Trump is saying. We're so concerned about the environment. And yes, if that is your passion, cultivate that passion, but realize that we can only do a few things well. And if we try and do everything, we will end up with nothing.
I think about so much when you talk, Ben, and you inspire me. I was having a conversation with a young man who's going through a, a lot of anxiety and health issues. And I would notice whenever we would talk, he would speak of people based on their scholarly claims or awards or rank. Well, I met this guy who has a, two PhDs, and he's the head of a firm, and he was the head of an army unit. Then I met this woman, and she was assistant to an assistant of an important person, and her dad was an important person who won this award. And he always introduced people with all these things. And I asked him once, I said, why does that matter to you? He said, well, it matters to me because I didn't, it gives me a sense of where I am. I said, well, where are you? And he says, well, I'm in a bad place. I, I never kind of measure up. I feel like a failure. So he had set up this matter scale based on titles and labels of other people. And he had um, damned himself to self-loathing and unhappiness. So what I said to him, is, I said, all these people you talk about, what do they do for you? So, well, I hope that I can connect to them and they'll do these things. And if you, I said, right now, what do they do for you? He said, nothing. I'm actually doing a lot for them and running errands and helping them with projects. I said, so you matter to them. So if you matter to them and you value them and you hold them in high regard, shouldn't you matter to yourself? Shouldn't you matter to yourself? And it was like a light bulb went off his, in his head and then exploded. So he had introduced into his life these untenable algorithms of what mattered and didn't matter. And for him to be healthy, he has to unravel that. Yeah, I think that's a good point to wrap up. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about anchoring in who we are, accepting what we care about, and realizing that in life, we simply don't have the bandwidth to focus on more than a handful of things. And that's enough. And to really anchor in what's important to us, we have to accept what we think, accept what we feel, recognize that there is tremendous social pressure. We live in a world where we have groups and factions who are trying to impose their idealized view of reality on us. And other people subscribe to that because everyone else is doing it. But there's no foundation. Sometimes there's a foundation. Sometimes there's no foundation. Only we can decide. So practice focusing on what matters to you. Practice on thinking and feeling what you actually think and feel. Practice being comfortable with conflict. Being able to hold points of view that might not be popular. And let's all get back to what matters to us. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Every five-star review allows us to share more unique and insightful content. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again next week. Peace.